0: Good morning. It's Wednesday, April twenty second, two thousand and fifteen. This is Tech Talk today, episode one hundred and sixty one. My name is Chris, and my name is Noah. Hey, good morning to you, good Noah. Thank you so much for having me in studio yet it again. For like the fourth time. Have you here. In it a is. Row. Wait, what else can I have? A good. Uh, it is. It is great to have you. No, I got nothing else. It is fantastic to see you yet again. And you know what? Day two, and it's not even uh, it's not even steamy or uh, musty in the studio at all. I don't know. How, awesome. It's almost like you didn't even shower. Yeah, <laughs> no, I
1: definitely, I definitely, dude, you said that on air. I definitely showered. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, just, yeah.
0: I just, I just, I tried to keep it to a minimum. You did good because I didn't want to, yeah. to steam up. Although, yeah. I know. I it's it. always a good excuse yeah. to get new equipment. Yeah. 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 I know. I could, use it. I could upgrade that mixer again. Sure, it's only a year old, but, you know, I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we have a lot of interesting stories to get to today. Today's a fun day. A lot of people in studio, and uh, that always makes it fun. And we got uh, Blaster in the chat room, who's currently sitting in layover in Chicago as he's on his way in. Alan Jew just got in this morning. Well, actually got in last night, but he just got to the studio this morning. And uh, we're about to break for breakfast after this, so it's going to be a good show today. So before we go any further, before we get into the news headlines, before we get into the big story of the day, we better say good morning to our Mumble Room. Time appropriate greetings. Mumble Room. Hello. Good hello. morning. Hey. Hello, good guys. Good morning. Woo, it's good to have you guys here. Hello, hello. So we've been talking about this for a while. No idea if it's going to be U.S. only. Not a lot of details yet. But it's like this rumor that just... you know, Noah, you know this saying? You know the old saying, Noah, where there is smoke... There is fire. Yeah, well, there's must be a lot of fire around this Google wireless service because it looks like Google is set to uh, unveil the wireless service any moment. Wall Street Journal says maybe today, even, we could see it from Google.
1: Later today, Google could announce a new U.S. wireless service that will push the Internet giant further into telecom. This, as the rest of the industry, is already facing fresh uncertainty thanks to a price war that has seemingly gone on forever. Ryan Knutson has even more details for you. Thank you so much for joining us, Ryan.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So the key development for Google, it seems, is they're expected to allow customers to pay only for the amount of data they actually use each month. Why
2: is this such a game changer? Yeah, this is a big deal because um, one of the reasons uh, that carriers make so much money is because people buy data buckets that are bigger than what they actually use. There's ones-
0: I feel like maybe I've been saying this for like two years. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's a brand new idea all of a yeah. sudden. Yeah. Uh, that's Boy, that's classic. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Noah? Google Wireless. Would you be interested? No. No, not really.
1: I mean, the, <clears throat> Google is – they do a great job, but what, what do we always find? At, like when you sign up for Google services, you're always really happy with them, but then you always wish you had never tasted them to begin with because mm. then it's so hard to get back mm. off of them. Mm. And I feel like that applies to a lot of things that are proprietary. And, and so as 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 open source users and as people that value slightly different things than most people care about, mm-hmm. you know, things like privacy, things like security – I don't necessarily want to empower those services and those companies that don't value those things as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, chat room, or I'm sorry, Mumble Room, would you be a little inclined to uh, sign up for Google services if all Google-related services were free? So if you got on Google Wireless, everything from Google Play you download is free, everything from Google Music you stream is free, every video you watch from YouTube, that would mean every single Jupiter Broadcasting show on YouTube would be free streamed to your phone. If they did that, would you be tempted, Mumble Room? I wouldn't, no. slightly.
2: Uh, possibly if, um, I'm in the UK, so, I mean, if it came over to the UK, then yes, because we don't have Ting over here.
0: And imagine Hangouts, right? Hangouts over 3G, no wireless minutes. That's pretty sweet. Uh, I mean, I can see it now, I can taste it now, because that's pretty much how I use Ting. I make my calls over Wi-Fi, I, uh, I, I do my texting over Telegram, which is over data, I do everything over data for the most part, which is most of the time over Wi-Fi and uh, so that's kind of i mean i've already tasted this a bit i i find this to be a little freaky i this to me uh this to me is bigger than just and, and um than google wireless this to me is Google really trying to make sure that uh, they have sort of the ultimate control. And I I think the other piece to this, the other piece that clicks in here is Android One. Android One right now is being sold as something for developing developing, uh, countries. I think Android One will make its way to the U.S. through Google Wireless. And that's where Google takes full control from top to bottom over Android, from how it's manufactured, from how it's built and uh, and how it's shipped, and even to the wireless service it goes on. Google gets absolute top to bottom control with that. And they'll start with Google. Google Wireless and the Nexus 6. That'll be the entry point where they kind of get a flavor of it. But the real final piece, and this might be even a few years out, that real final piece will be bringing Android One to the U.S. through Google Wireless. Mm -hmm. And Android One phone with it. If you got if these Android One devices, some of them are under a hundred dollars now because Google is subsidizing the system on a chip and things like that, and they're running fairly modern versions of Android. And so, if you can get a if you could get a, a fairly modern stock Google experience phone for around a hundred dollars or less on a pay for what you use wireless service by mm-hmm. Google, I think that would actually sell pretty well. Google's at the point now where that name's well known.
2: Yeah, I can I can think of a lot of people that would probably buy that. Yeah. I, and it but creeps Chris, me out.
0: <laughs> that scares me. Yeah.
2: You you tend to say vote with your wallet, mm-hmm. and this doesn't support net neutrality. No. We've, you've been fighting for it with your cable companies, but to let your uh, mobile service providers like T-Mobile get away with this sort of stuff, and you're still paying them, even though it's cheaper, you're still paying them for not supporting net neutrality.
0: Right, doesn't it kind of feel like Google's almost saying, all right, we give up. We can't win the open web, so yeah. we're just going to go off and make our own. We're going to have Google Fiber for the home. We're going right. to have Google Wireless for mobile. And that's, what, that's our playground. That's the ultimate Google experience.
2: And you don't you think... Got- Sorry, go You've got to remember that they only win <coughs> if everyone uses this. It's a new product. There are no current users. So if you don't get everyone switching then they're not going to succeed with this goal. Very true. Also, there's still an MVNO. So, I mean, you're still using some Sprint or T-Mobile backbone as well. It's not like it's Google's independent network.
0: Right. You could see them starting as an MVNO and maybe investing in their own infrastructure. But one one of the benefits of being Google is when they come into Sprint, well, guess what? Google's a bigger company. Google yeah, exactly. Has, so That's Google true. has a lot of leverage in that negotiation when mm-hmm. they're making that MVNO contract.
1: That, and, and let's face it, if it, if push comes to shove, like you said, they can just start saying, okay, Sprint, you don't want to let us use these 100 towers? Guess right. what? They're ours now.
0: Right, and we'll you know em. if this service goes hot, then then those um, MVNO providers are going to be in a dependent position on the revenue they're generating from Google from that. So, yeah. So... <laughs>
2: Either. Which makes me think, why don't why don't they just go in with unlimited data at the front? You know, if they really supported the net neutrality well, stuff,
0: I wonder. And I wouldn't be surprised to see. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see Google have to do something that makes sense in each region, but essentially rolling out eventually a uh, a world "quote unquote" service that's Google Wireless everywhere. And maybe they're doing MVNO agreements throughout the world. But as a Google Wireless customer, you just sign up for Google Wireless, and wherever you go, you have Google Wireless, and you don't care about the MVNO agreements they're doing on the back end. That could be also very compelling if there's something over time. Again, I don't think it would launch this way, but you say over the, if you could see over the next decade, Google one by one could make these agreements. And who is in a better position to make agreements with these carriers than the, than the company that's supplying them with the most popular operating system running on their wireless network? Right. These wireless carriers are already totally in bed with Google and dependent yeah. on them for Android. Mm-hmm, so Google's mm-hmm. in the best position to create these contracts and they can roll this out. And this is going to be such. And then... And then you have to really take it out farther from that. Then you start looking at wearables. Then you start looking at ultra-small LTE chips and GPS chips that are going to be going into the watches in 2016, right? You start looking at the stuff that could go in things like Google Glass. You start looking at how you could have cellular in almost all kinds of these mobile devices. This, the, the watch gets so much better when it doesn't need the smartphone. When your watch can have a direct data connection and a direct GPS and can track you, and there you're starting to Samsung has one. There's already some out there. Th- that makes it a much more compelling device, and again that's another thing Google would have another data point Google would have from you It's again they could say put your, all of put all of your wearable devices on Google wireless, put all of your put all of your cellular devices on Google wireless. no more individual data contracts for each device. Just put all of your little things your watch, your nook your 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 thermostat, your lights, put all of it on Google wireless mm-hmm. And you just pay this rate. I mean, I think it's super compelling. It's like what I'm. It's like my own. That's how I'm rolling Ting out now in my own customized way. Yeah. Uh, but Google could roll it out as one big product, and they yeah. could sell it as a package. You put right. all of your GSM devices on Google on Google Wireless, including the watch. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Internet of Things package. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. And then of course they've also bought some very uh, some very high end uh, home automation software. They have Nest. I mean, you could yeah. really see how you could put all this on your own Google Wireless network. It could be kind of crazy. Speaking of Android devices and wireless and the phone that I've been following very closely, the Samsung Galaxy S6 Edge, But that's a mouthful. Uh, it turns out that if you want to take advantage of the payment features built into the new S6, you better not root it. If you decide to root your new Galaxy device, it disables the Samsung Pay feature. Yikes, that's too bad. Uh, but pay, uh, as you know, Samsung Pay debuted uh, with the, ga- the Galaxy S6, so it's not exactly a massively popular service at this time. So for many of you, it might be more uh, advantageous to root it than to actually use Samsung Pay. Uh, but just as a bit of a warning, for those of you who've been looking to pick it up since we've been talking about it a lot, uh, uh, it's so early right now that it'd almost be worth just rooting than then say who's, who's, who's the crap about Samsung Pay. But if you do care... That's something to know. I know you're a big Samsung fan. How does this make you feel? I I am.
1: And uh, essentially, that's what I was going to say was that most of the time I like the Samsung experience over uh, over the 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 stock Android. You're like
0: you, you realize what you just said on the Internet. Yeah, no, I, I know. You realize you just said you like yeah, but the I've, Samsung interface on Android? That's what, that's what I've said
1: that numerous times. But I think you'll find, yeah, if and when you get to the point where you're using a Samsung interface, I think you'll find that you'll like that, that the improvements that they make over stock Android, if you look yeah. at it without without the without the concept of, oh, Samsung's a big evil company that's trying to impose on our freedom, if you if you can get out of that mindset, I think you'll find that the – like, for instance, the the pull-down options to turn things on and off, you know, I think they, they are huge improvements.
0: You know – And the reality is, is
1: it shouldn't be Samsung's. It shouldn't be Samsung's problem to support a payment function if they no longer have control over that. I I I I guess if They
0: can't guarantee the security to the banks and stuff. It's probably even the contracts. I'll tell you this. uh, So this, uh, what's the Samsung UI on top of Android called? Uh, What's that called? Um, I don't know. No, no, no. You do know. Just a
2: point about your mention of the phone. TouchWiz. TouchWiz. Thank you. Uh, Most online banking apps uh, try to detect if you've rooted the phone and try to stop working Mm, for the same reasons. Really? Yeah. They do. See, that's lame, but I blame and the bank for of them that actually. Huh? It's have because it, uh, they're
0: worried about security of the phone being compromised. Once you root the phone, then you kind of. That's a false concern. Well, well yes. I, maybe but so.
2: Unless unless it's not the user that has rooted the phone, but malware that's rooted the phone. Mm. Yeah, okay. Fair. And, and now you it's know, if you think about their key presses Alan's right, that's probably a more common
0: use case for the average user. Yeah, I suppose. So here's here's just to go back about the TouchWiz thing. You know, I've spent um, the last couple of years using Nexus devices mm-hmm. or or stock ROMs for the most part, mm-hmm. and so uh, I've had a little time on the uh, S6 implementation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of uh, of TouchWiz, and I have so I haven't used what's on the S5 or the S4 very much. Uh-huh. I'll tell you, on the S4, I have used a little bit, and I think on the S4 it's pretty heavy-handed, pretty uh-huh. clunky, and sure. not very well done. Okay, on the S6, they sort of they picked up uh, with Google's material design concepts, mm-hmm. and so it has a very material look. And I, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would want to use stock Android. After yep. using TouchWiz on the S6, that's that's how I feel about and it. I can't believe I'm saying now. I'll tell you this: it does feel slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like the phone seems to leg up way more than a stock Android phone ever did for me. Sure. And, and then I see like these crazy ass things being updated that I've never even heard of before, like I, I, Hand Office Pro. What the hell is Hand Office Pro? Just updating the background on my phone. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell that is. Yeah, I so that stuff it, I don't I'm don't not a it, big so. fan of. That's where I. But the but the UI improvements are. I think I think I, got, I think Samsung actually does a good job.
1: If you don't mind, I just want I want to back up just a moment. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Would if if we translated this to computers, and you look and said if this person uh, does anything other than under a limited account, right? If they're, then you, if they're running as an administrator. Then user, we're not
0: going to let them log into their bank because right. the hacker could have been the one to. Uh, really, I think. I, mean, I think part of it is a little bit of a different context, though, because. On the mobile device, it's a little more insidious. The user has mm-hmm. less oversight of the processes on their phone, mm-hmm. uh, and the amount of information they're able to collect is higher: location information, right. microphone information, camera information, sure, all that kind of stuff. I just so. don't
1: like the fact that we are we are passively accepting even people that you know, like like yourself and Alan, who who are who are technology savvy. That even that we are getting to a point where we ac- we are accepting that it is mm. now
0: legitimate. I would differentiate. Uh, I wouldn't say I, what I would say is. Uh, I think that all phones should be lockable and unlockable and rootable and unrootable by mm-hmm. the user with like a checkbox okay but if I want to if I so uh, Angela deposits some of our, our company checks using the phone yeah. she takes a picture of it and then it, it does a deposit right on that phone I think why not let's go as whatever I can do to get make sure it's as secure as possible if I could go into the settings check a box and say you know unroot it and relock it or whatever it have to do, mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. That's a compromise I could make to make sure that fo- – but then when I want to use it for something else, I'd like to just go in there and check the box and have control again. I say don't hide the don't hide the tools from the user, but uh, you don't – I think you can make it – I think it should be user-controllable, yeah. I guess. So here's here's the compromise yeah, but, uh, that uh, – go ahead.
2: I think I've, I'm agreeing with Noah that we, we should have more control over our device, right? It's our phone. We should be able to do whatever we want with it and access our online banking without them being able to tell what we've done to our phone.
1: Right. Very the very most of the compromise I'd be willing to make is a pop-up that comes up when I log into my bank saying we have detected that your phone is uh, is is a rooted device. If you don't if this message do, if you don't understand this message, then your phone is probably compromised. If you understand the risks, click here and then I want yeah. to do not show this message again box. Yeah. And if I have that like I get with SSH when yeah. it's a different key, yeah. I, that I'd be fine with. Like how like today in
0: Android when you can turn on the unknown sources. Uh, for yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. Something like that. Yep. That I could live with. That's how I'd like it. To yeah, be. but saying that I can't use my banking app because I've rooted my phone, that's ridiculous.
2: What, what, what there, ha- oh. there have actually been a couple of apps I've installed where it'll come up and say, hey, we're going to ask for root permissions. If you don't know what that means, then you probably shouldn't be using this app, that kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's not unheard of. I have right. seen
0: that too. Uh, okay, so, uh, yeah, sorry, chatroom, I didn't have the titles going, so if you had a great title earlier, please resubmit it with a bang, suggest. Uh, all right, so let's move, let's transition to kind of the same concept, securing the computer, mm-hmm. uh, making sure it's it's locked down. Windows 10 is going to introduce something called Device Guard. Uh, this is according to Microsoft, which has announced a new feature for Windows 10, which aims to give administrators full control over what software can or cannot be installed on a device. It provides better security against malware and zero-day A zero-day attack for Windows 10 by blocking anything other than trusted apps. I want to say that again. By blocking anything other than trusted apps, which are apps that are signed by specific software vendors, the Windows Store, or even your own organization. To help protect users from malware, when an app is executed, Windows makes a determination on whether that app is trustworthy and notifies if the user, if it is not. Device Guard can use hardware technology and virtualization to isolate the decision-making function from the rest of the Windows operating system. That's the interesting part. Because until then, it just sounds like mandatory access controls. But then Microsoft's this is where the device part of this whole system comes in, I assume. Microsoft's using hardware technology, whatever that might be, TPM or whatever, and virtualization. So I assume that means perhaps they're running these applications in a virtual environment to execute them first to see if they're safe, which helps provide protection from attacks or malware that might have managed to gain full system privileges. So it would just execute in that VM instead. It's intended to be used in conjunction with traditional antivirus and not as a replacement, Microsoft says. What do you think about this, Noah? Uh- Windows. I don't know. I I, I thought I had that reaction at first. And I'm like, first I'm like, okay, good job. You have SE Linux and mandatory access controls and AppArmor, whatever the hell else you want to call it. Yay. And then I thought, well, but I do kind of like the whole executing in a virtual machine aspect. And here's why I like it. Mm -hmm. It's step one to finally replacing Windows. Because I my long term prediction for Windows is Microsoft's going to go with something else completely different. Yeah, I agree. And then their legacy support's going to be virtualizing each application yeah, I, when you launch it. I
1: agree. And if and if I'll one up your Annie and say that I think that something is going to exist on Azure. So you'll yeah, have some yeah, sort of a yeah. some sort of a Microsoft experience, right. much like they've done with 360. 360 yeah. has been wildly successful. And even as a Linux user, yeah. I could sell you 360, yeah. or at least I yeah. could come pretty close. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a competitive product or 365, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't use it. But it's yeah, Office 365. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Uh, nobody cares. We use LibreOffice, but uh, if they do that with other Microsoft applications and then right. and then other players can right. come to the table and say, hey, Microsoft let 's put this on your Azure. Microsoft finds a way to stay relevant yep. people like me i will I will lay down i 'll just kind of go by the wayside because i 'm like, you know I can live with that compromise because yeah. yeah, the it on Microsoft
0: Linux. software becomes a bit of a service run on virtualization mm-hmm. run, run in little virtual." I, they're gonna have something they're not going to call them, they'll call them like virtual mini instances or something right. they're gonna be yeah. something between you know a full VM and
1: I think I think that I think it's safe to say Microsoft's going to be the next IBM mm-hmm.
0: they're
1: gonna be the, ne- the that's that's the kind of direction I think they're going and
0: you know this device card stuff uh, we've if you've been in the system administration game uh, for a long time you've tried different iterations of this they're goop group policy. Uh, Windows today has a whitelist of applications you can just set via group policy and say only allow these applications to execute. This is different though. This is beyond that and this is another iteration of that. It's interesting to follow it and uh, I don't know how much practicality it would actually have in the enterprise space. I believe it to be one of those features that sounds really good when you're going through the security options when it's when you're evaluating as an enterprise if it's worth upgrading to Windows 10 and then once you deploy Windows 10 it's one of those things you implement and then quickly begin turning off. Have, yeah. you, have you have you had much experience with things like deep freeze or oh, yeah. why? List of applications with oh, yeah. group policy, mm-hmm. they're very they're very restrictive and often only work for a very limited set of use cases. Oh, I don't be. know about that. Uh, Deep freeze is a little better, but with yeah. group policy whitelist applications, I constantly find I'm always having to whittle uh, new applications onto that list that yeah. some other application calls in the background or something yeah, like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I haven't. I agree. I mean, you know, the reality is when we I remember we just just a couple of years ago we did a we did a security outlay for rather large company and they said what would you recommend and we laid out everything I mean we were telling them you know turn off unused switch ports don't have you know and the reality is that worked for about six months and then they went right. I am sick of sitting yep. down in the conference room yep. and not being able yep. to plug my laptop in so it's just going to be on all the time well now any guest that comes to that conference yeah. center can plug right in yeah. and now they have they're, they're right on the so I mean there's there we try to set all that stuff up but like you said when you, when you restrict things too much then all of a sudden we run into this problem where convenience is going to win every and time and people can't be productive but I don't think that's the case when it comes to deep freeze. I mean, we've deployed deep freeze in yeah. schools, deep freeze we've done is in Hotels, and... yeah, it is better there. But mm-hmm. uh,
0: it is sort of the similar. You can there, there are use cases though where deep freeze quickly kind of like it's ah, uh, you know, you, you quickly oh, I lost this thing or I lost that or I saved this. Stage. I, I got to be honest with
1: you, if. I, I suppose it dread, on how you set it. Up. I dread the day that I have to. I dread the times when I have to administrate a box that doesn't have deep freeze. Yeah. Because the nice thing about deep freeze is I just. In fact, I like deep deep freeze was great because I could keep Windows in check. Yeah. Exactly. So yep. much so yep. to the point that when I went to Linux, I thought I almost need a little bit, not very much, because it's pretty hard to screw up Linux to begin with. But, but it'd be nice to can, have that. Yeah. And so that, what, I, what I ended up doing was tarballing the home directory, mm-hmm. and then it just blows it away every time the computer reboots. Yeah. And take away sudo, and now they can't make system wide. That's changes. exactly what I did on my yep. Linux installations.
0: Is, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I had a, I had like a GDM post execution script that would just wipe out the home directory yeah. and a pre I think a pre script that would copy over like a, a template directory yep. and then one of the nice things I could do is if I wanted to add something uh-huh. to the template directory like like a new uh, symlink to an NFS share or, or a, tarball a, yeah I just yep update the tarball and the next time they log in they get it yep and It worked really well.
1: So so and and without that, it, every time I install a Windows machine, I always think to myself, I'm going to be back here in a month because yeah. if, I can't, <laughs> yeah. if I can't deep freeze it, you know. The nice yeah. thing about deep freeze, the trouble call goes like this: XYZ, I Y Z. I don't even listen to what they're telling me. And when they get done, I'm like, all right, that's great. Restart the machine. Yeah. It's working now. Yeah,
0: great. Thanks a lot. But like for my workstation, I could never use deep freeze. And for like for like the engineers and like the yeah. people that were doing like a, you know what you're doing though. Well, but not just me. Like the engineers that were doing like AutoCAD stuff, they, they none of it would never work for them because they were do to install stuff or do th- I had new fonts and all this kind of crap. And I would go. Restart and they would lose it, and they would be furious. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely only well, a see,
2: that's that if you uh, do something like ZFS or ButterFS or whatever you want to do. Uh, if you if you slice up the system into different data sets you can lock only certain ones and then use snapshots. Sure. So when the system boots up, it just rolls yeah. back the yeah. system snapshot to what it was before. But it leaves their home directory, so all the files they saved are still there. Uh, I like that. Uh, and you know maybe user local is still there, so any apps they've manually installed, they're still there. But the system rolls back any changes they made there, or whatever. Yeah. Or yeah. you know, you could do the layered file system approach, like uh, Q5 would tell you to do.
0: The uh, the PCBSD guys do an excellent job um, of uh, of a kind of an example of a really straightforward approach that more Linux distros should do. Right. Hey, Alan, guess what? Uh, I got a little news you're going to love. I don't know if you saw this since you've been traveling. We have a title for the new Star Trek movie. Star Trek Three is going to be called Star Trek Beyond. That's the new Star Trek. That's according to TrekMovie.com, and they have a good so, track So,
2: is this actually a new movie, or is it yeah, just this, a remake of an this old is, movie again? this is
0: the new, this is in the, with the new cast, the new Star Trek 3 movie, which I think comes out at the end of next year. Uh, it's going to become Star
2: Trek. But Beyond. the previous ones were just kind of rehashes, right?
0: Yeah, this one they say, now we've only gotten a few things from Simon Pegg. He well, says, this
2: one's not JJ, so maybe right, it'll be good.
0: Right. Simon Pegg said that uh, we want to take it, f- we want to move it forward from the TV show. It's a story about frontierism and adventure and optimism and fun, and that's where we want to take it, you know? Where no man has gone before. Where no one has gone before. Sensibly corrected for a slightly more enlightened generation. But yeah, it's got a good mood at the moment. But that's the mood at the moment. Star Trek 3, it's, it's happening. We'll see. And then last but not least, if you followed Linux Unplugged Linux Action Show, you know that we've been moving my wife, Angela, over to Linux. And uh, in the process, we decided, you know what? We're actually really, we really, really, really want to do this right. And we want it to be a machine that she could probably use for like five or six years and just keep on updating it as time goes on. So to really do it right, we decided to get rid of her MacBook Pro and get her a, a ThinkPad Yoga 3, mm-hmm. which you think is a pretty nice machine. I, Chris,
1: I, I took it out. My initial impressions were good, but then I had a, there was an issue with the network, which I will admit kind of kind of just jaded my I was, like, I was a little on edge. I'm like, no, not problems again. But then once I figured out it really was just a function of that network, that USB network card, mm-hmm. uh, and we got everything because there's no wired network. And once I got everything installed and I got the wireless turned on I, I literally used it all night. <laughs> like, I couldn't go back to my laptop. Yeah. I was on it. I was playing with it. I was watching Netflix. And I was like, the thing, everything is just yeah. super responsive. So that's going to be a good machine for her. It's going to be a good machine for her. I'm just afraid of the consequences if we can't get rid of yeah. the MacBook. So we
0: put her MacBook up on eBay. And we'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, and uh, it's a really good rig. It's a Core i7, uh, I think 2.7 gigahertz or 2.8 gigahertz. Uh, I can't remember, though, to be honest with you. Uh, 16 gigabytes of RAM. 512 gigabyte SSD. It has the uh, non-gloss the mat display, yeah, yeah the mat display, which was hard to get, and high resolution mat display as well, uh, and it has a dedicated ATI graphics. It has Thunderbolt FireWire 800, and then Apple just refurbished the uh, logic board and the battery, so brand new logic board and battery. And uh, we decided it, it 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 is a perfectly fine Linux rig right there in the picture, it's running Arch Linux, and we can ship it with Arch with Mac. We can dual boot Mac and Arch, or just Mac OS or just Arch, and it will make a good machine for somebody. But you need to be comfortable tinkering from time to time. Exactly. Yeah, well, tinkering at least when you set it up. The, well, now, especially when you set it up because yeah. you've got to get the video working and things like that. And it's just not stuff that we can ever expect Angela to do. And if she right. ever has a problem, we don't want Angela to be afraid of like a multi-day outage while right. I get her MacBook working right. again. Because that will scare her away from Linux just right there.
1: Because you had Antergos working perfectly. And the only reason we we did away with it was because we had some special production needs that we had to that yeah. we had to do so the reality is for for a geek it'll make a great computer the problem is uh like you said for her it's just not going to work but i'm telling you i tell you chris yoga. if she doesn't like this yoga you want I, it i i yeah i don't know i, I kind of want it too yeah I, <laughs> Man, is that a, is that a nice computer? Yeah. Like it it is. I mean, it is. You you know, we we talk about you know companies that make machines born to run Linux, but really, this machine seems like except it runs for the Linux wireless. Pretty well, yeah. The wireless. So was, we got to replace the wireless card. Well, so there is. You just all you have to do I is you have to install a driver. But there's really. a wireless card in the way, right? There is, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you could swap it. What do you think?
2: Well, I so just, you if you guys had told me, I have. Uh, an Intel 6205 advanced N. Uh, is it the little is it the wide said, little mini PCI 30, or I is it think.
1: the thin thin little mini PCI because it's this it's one is a little the, one it is it's a thin one that's what he said yeah. uh okay.
2: no it's older it's oh. from my laptop yeah, so. yeah.
1: I, I, I I this is this is a like it almost looks like a corner of the you know they had the really long ones then they went to like the half yeah. one yeah. and now this is like half of that yeah
0: yeah that's what this one like is. The seven, like the one I put in the Xbox. Yeah, so right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, so uh, there's a lot of shenanigans going on. It seems like something new is developing with Angela. Switch to Linux every single day, and it's going to be leading right up to Linux Fest Northwest, which is going to be a hell of a show. So join us live over the weekend if, you, if you're not going to make it there in person. And don't forget you can join us tomorrow, jblive.tv, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Tech Talk Today on Thursday. Also, double stat tech snaps tomorrow. So if uh, you want to show up, for two tech snaps and watch it, we can start at eleven a.m. Pacific, and we could also use your emails for tech snap. Send in your questions to the tech snap program, tech at jupiterbroadcasting.com. Anything else, Mister Noah? Before we go, no, that sounds good. All right, tech talk today dot dot com, tech talk today dot dot com, tech talk today dot com. Make this show better. I say it three times that way. I really hope they go there people don't go there. You know, people are like, oh, it's a daily show. I just listen. I don't want to get involved. I'm too busy. I know something else you should mention. You should what? mention the Patreon. Patreon.com to support this show. I didn't mention it because we plugged the eBay. I don't uh, like to be too plugged. I'm very oh, that's, conscious that's, of That's it.
1: very good. That's very good. Actually, buy the, buy the laptop rather than sign up for
0: Patreon. Through. Yeah, I know,
1: right? I just, <laughs> we I really need like, that laptop to sell. I don't think you understand the yeah, importance of unless,
0: it. I don't want to get a divorce. Yeah. So, uh, if you would help me, you would know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, we, the laptop is, I feel like we're we're... we're We're not doing it a good sales job because it's a really great laptop. In fact, both know and I think it's a great laptop. It's just we really want Angela to have a I'm going on the record record and saying I like a Mac. It's a good machine. It is a good machine. It's just that if you want to give somebody a total trouble-free Linux experience, it's not the right machine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like you and I could use it, but we already have machines. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Join us tomorrow live. And uh, then we'll see you uh, throughout the weekend for Double Tech Snaps. And uh, later on the stream today, BSD now as well. It's a busy day alright so speaking of eBay what do you say we wrap it up with a great eBay commercial these were one of the classics it seems good yeah I think that's probably appropriate see you back here tomorrow everybody what's the one present you want more than anything else a pony (laughs) Ah!
2: what's he doing daddy
0: (laughs) happy holidays honey
2: a pony Okay, who wants waffles? Get the hottest
1: new toys at the Toys R Us store on eBay. When it's on your mind, it's on eBay.